Welcome to KXAN News Today. Here are your Friday morning headlines. Today's the last day to get free COVID tests at what was once one of the biggest testing sites in Austin. After nearly 50,000 nasal swabbing COVID testing sites at the Tony Burger Complex, it is now closing its doors. It will be open from 9.30 this morning until 5 this afternoon. Lisa Marie Presley, the only child of Elvis Presley, died after being rushed to the hospital yesterday for cardiac arrest. Her mother confirming the death last night, saying, quote, It is with a heavy heart that I must share the devastating news that my beautiful daughter, Lisa Marie, has left us. She was 54 years old. Well, the suspect in the assassination of former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is now charged with murder. Tetsuya Yamagami was arrested immediately after Japanese authorities say that he shot Abe with a handmade gun as the former leader was making a campaign speech back in July. He will face court after a detention center evaluated his mental health and found him fit to stand trial. Back here at home with new board members at school and a new superintendent in interim one just taking their positions, the Austin Independent School District is getting an early start on next school year's budget. Morning, everyone. I'm Sally Hernandez. And I'm Tom Miller. Last night, AISD met to discuss the district's priorities. Among the key talking points, money and where it needs to go to make the district a better place. It also has some programs that need to be extended or cut. The district will look for community input as well as staff and administrative suggestions. Teacher pay has been a hot topic and the district says that will still be a priority. Currently the district spends about 80% of the budget on salaries. Ultimately, uh, staff compensation and teacher pay is going to be a high priority uh, just because of the labor market in the Austin area. Uh, many teachers are leaving the profession, and so that is a challenge. And so we as a district are committed to investing in our employees and making sure that we uh, give them a competitive wage for next school year. Final budget will be approved in June. As we go in depth on this, teacher burnout led to a record number of resignations in Texas. KXAN investigators took a deep dive into what is behind the shortage. Our team obtaining thousands of exit surveys detailing why teachers left. Some of the reasons included pay, not being able to keep up with the cost of living. Right now on KXAN.com, you can click on the Investigates tab and look for The Exit. There you can explore our interactive story and watch each chapter in our investigative series. Well, Maynard ISD named its new interim superintendent this week. The Board of Trustees elected Dr. Tammy Williams-Hill on Monday. She joined Maynard ISD in September of 2022 as the Chief Human Capital Officer, taking over for current Acting Superintendent Michael Perkins. He served in that role after Superintendent Dr. Andre Spencer left in December. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Good Friday morning. We begin with a look at our clouds and radar not showing anything too impressive. We've got a clear sky out there and we're going to stick with that clear sky all day long. Plenty of sunshine ahead. Live look outside from our Lorenz Lorenz 360 camera out there in the West Hills looking east towards the skyline. Very pretty shot of our beautiful city this morning. Temperatures are in the 30s and 40s. It is way colder out there compared to what we had yesterday. I'll give you a second to find your neighborhood number. You're in the 30s and 40s, which 
temperatures again 15 to 25 degrees colder this morning. This is courtesy of that dry, cool air filling in behind the cold front we had earlier this week. So uh, jackets certainly needed as we begin the day. As we transition towards the later part of the afternoon, we're on our way to the low 60s. So still a little cool in spots, but we're getting rid of the wind today. That's the good news. A lot of sunshine overhead stretched area one. Coming up in your first morning forecast, we are flirting with a freeze tonight. It gets very close to that as we get into tomorrow morning. A warmer weekend will follow, but I already have eyes on your next cold front comes in middle of next week. We talk about potential impacts coming up in your first morning forecast. But before I leave you, I wanted to show you this. Some scary moments after a deadly tornado outbreak yesterday in Alabama. What you're listening to is a piece of sheet metal that hit a building with workers inside. It was at a recycling facility. They got quite the scare when that piece of sheet metal slammed right past them as the storm crossed. Now, the focus today now shifts to cleanup for many residents. The storm caused widespread damage across multiple counties. In Selma, a tornado lifted debris as high 16,000 feet into the the air, damaged buildings and destroyed homes were everywhere. Several streets in the city now closed because of debris, including down power lines and trees. Thousands still without power this morning. And unfortunately, at least six people have died and several others are hurt. Really powerful video. Thank you, Kristen. We have a preview this morning of a full interview you can catch on KXA News at 6 tonight. It's a former DPS trooper who responded to the Uvalde school massacre, and he's now sharing a story. Juan Maldonado, who was a sergeant, retired in lieu of getting fired. He was one of the first officers to arrive at Robb Elementary School on May 24th, the day a gunman killed 19 students and two teachers. Maldonado says DPS served him termination papers in September, saying he did not act on scene in a way a trooper with his amount of experience should have. Maldonado says that he received no direct commands, though, on the school campus when he was there, and he acted on instinct. I was never given a specific role. My role that I took upon myself was to save as many kids as I could, you know, provide medical treatment for the ones that were, you know, wounded, you know. So that's, I just, my, I did what my mind told me to do, and I kept myself busy the whole entire time. Tonight, we're going to walk through that interview with you, and he's going to talk about his experience with our very own Brianna Hollis. He says that he's shocked DPS moved to fire him, and the only reason he got to the scene as a trooper so quickly, he says, was because he happened to be with a Uvalde CISD police officer at the time. The information shows how the overturn of Roe v. Wade has impacted abortions here in Texas. And how Georgetown ISD is working to protect students from threats both on and off campus. Good morning, everyone. It is a live look outside for you on this Friday, the 13th. Another live look throughout the newscast for you right here on KXAN News today throughout the day. Now, we do have new data to show you the impact of the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade here in Texas. State health leaders tell us more than 2,500 abortions were reported last June. That is the same month the high court struck down the landmark ruling, which guaranteed a constitutional right to abortion. 
Texas's new law that bans almost all abortions didn't go into effect until August 22nd. Despite that, the number of abortions reported in the state dropped to 68 in July, and then in August, it went down to just three. All three August abortions were performed because of a medical emergency. The state's new law only allows exemptions if the pregnancy is causing a life-threatening condition. Why a family in Florida is turning to Texas to answer some questions about their son's death. How affordable housing that was supposed to be easily accessible is now on a wait list. Good morning, everyone, on this Friday the 13th. Another live look for the city of Austin skyline to show you this morning. Thanks for waking up with us here on KXAN News Today. Kristen has the latest on your forecast in a bit. All right, Georgetown ISD, we know it's working to be proactive with its students and their safety, not just from the outside threats, but also potentially deadly drugs starting to pop up here in Central Texas. And as part of our ongoing series talking to local education leaders, I talked with Superintendent Fred Brent about that and other challenges the district's facing. Earlier this week, the district had a meeting with parents where it was giving them a heads up about drugs and how to spot things. Uh, we know other school districts are dealing with fentanyl issues. How is that in Georgetown ISD? Our hearts go out to any families that have been, been impacted by this fentanyl uh, challenge that we're all facing. And uh, we just want to make sure our parents and our communities are aware. And uh, our nurses are prepared to respond should we have an emergency. We've not had that yet in Georgetown, but we always want to make sure we're being proactive and prepared. Last time we talked, you said staffing levels were yeah. pretty good. You were, mm -hmm. you were happy with where things were at. I looked this morning, 21 openings in special mm -hmm. education, 29 teacher openings. Mm -hmm. Is that normal? Is that where you want to be? Uh, no, that's not normal and that's not where we want to be. So we are still working to staff the positions that we can. Listen, our staff has been doing an amazing job of covering the spaces where we have gaps. We have employees who have been doing one job in the classroom that have changed roles. We have uh, campus instructional support teams that are now teaching classes. Uh, we have great teachers who are rolling up their sleeves and making things happen. At the start of this school year, there were these safety audits yeah. where people came to campuses and checked how secure the buildings. Yeah. How did Georgetown do? Wow, that was, that was a unique experience, I can tell you. Uh, but our, we passed every one, no findings on any of the safety audit inspections that we had. And it literally was someone trying to get into your schools. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and all of our people uh, did an excellent job. Lastly, we know the state legislature kicked off this yeah. week and school districts have different priorities. Mm -hmm. What is Georgetown ISD hoping the legislature does? Well, they have to do something. We are operating on the same dollars per student that we were getting in 2019, and every family knows the cost of inflation, the cost of doing business. If you own a business and you've not changed your revenue stream since 2019, and you're required to pro provide more services, more salaries, uh, mitigate a pandemic, you have to have more funding. So the, the legislator has to act on the basic allotment. They're going to have to increase that or schools won't make it. Dr. Fred Brent yeah. with Georgetown ISC, thank you so much for your yes, time. Sir. Thank you very much. You can catch our full interview online where we also talk about closing the achievement gap and mitigating illnesses. That's with the rest of our superintendent series on KXAN.com. Such good information. All right, need an excuse? Get, it, get out and enjoy the beautiful weather this weekend. How about going to the Austin Zoo? And it has some new animals for you to see. The zoo introduced two new cheetahs to the mix.
<laughs> they are two girls, six-year-old uh, Dea and seven-year-old Amina. They came from the Metro Richmond Zoo in Virginia. They're part of the Zoological Association's Cheetah Management Program. This is a program that works to extend the lifespan of these animals. And it's the first time the Austin Zoo has had cheetahs. Oh, wow. Cool. So pretty. Yeah. Welcome to Austin. <laughs> Welcome to Austin. <laughs> Hope you enjoy the weather. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a tad cooler than, you know, the African Sahara. Yeah. But it, it, we it's not August yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It'll come. Let me show you what's going on when it comes to uh, what we've got this morning. Happy Friday to you. It'll see landscapes, flies wide the camera there in Round Rock. Showing clear skies up top. Winds, thank goodness, are much lighter than what we had rip across central Texas yesterday. We're seeing a very light wind out of the north, 5 to 10 miles per hour. But that north wind is going to stay with us through the day, and that's a cooling wind for us. So our temperatures this morning, noticeably colder than what you walked out the door to yesterday. We're seeing 30s and 40s aerial-wide. I showed you earlier, but it's worth showing again. Temperatures down 15 to 30 degrees colder this morning. Over the last 24 hours, that temperature change was significant. Now, as far as where we're going with our temperature trend, it's the 40s to the 50s and 60s. So it's not going to be cold all day long. We do rebound back to the 60s pretty nicely here underneath that clear, sunny sky. Really bright skies area-wide today. But I would still maybe recommend a light coat, even in the sunshine. Sometimes those little 60s don't quite feel like the 80s we had earlier this week. So here's what we expect area-wide today for your Friday afternoon. Most of us in the low 60s. Here's the big sticking point of today's forecast. It gets real cold tonight, friends. I'm talking 30s kind of cold. So we'll likely see some freezing spots in the hill country, some valley areas in our eastern counties, drainage spots down to freezing. I don't think we'll get downtown down to 32, but there's going to be some Austin suburbs flirting with that 32 degree mark. So just wanted to give you a heads up, bring in those sensitive plants, make sure the pets are taken care of because it's going to be much colder tomorrow morning compared to even what we have out there now. Winds will stay light through the day today, but I wanted to show you tomorrow getting a little gusty here, especially out in the hill country by Saturday afternoon. Those wind gusts 20 to 25 miles per hour, but our temperatures will be warmer after tomorrow's cold start. 60s to the 70s, little baby chance of a shower clipping our eastern counties on Sunday it's not even worth mentioning, really, because it's so low of a chance. The majority of us stay dry. When can we expect our next meaningful chance of rain? This cold front coming in next Wednesday will bring at least a 30% chance of showers and storms to our eastern counties. We'll include Austin in on that as well. Seven-day forecast, 60s today and tomorrow. 70s to finish the weekend, low 80s on Monday. There's that 10% chance I was just telling you about. And then a 30% chance of rain and thunderstorms with slightly cooler temperatures behind our next cold front. Thank you, Kristen. A Cedar Park man is going to face 45 years in prison for the murder of his girlfriend in 2019. Police say Samuel Bird killed Amanda Gordon at a house in Cedar Park. Investigators found human remains in a burn pit. It was on a property in Caldwell County belonging to Bird's business partner. Court records say the suspect and victim had been in a relationship for eight years and they had two children. Bird will serve out his sentence in Huntsville. Family in Florida is looking to Texas for some answers. Their son died in the Travis County Jail and it followed a years-long battle with drug addiction. Say he needed help, but it wasn't accessible to him. KXAN's Grace Reader explains what recovery professionals are asking the legislature to do this session to get people help before it's too late. Hey, Poppy. 
He was our son. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't a perfect person. I'm not going to lie about that, but he was my firstborn, and we truly miss him. This Florida family is grieving the loss of their son, Kyle Wagner, a 46-year-old man who died in Travis County's jail last year. His death report released last week shows he died of the long-term effects of drug use. I don't know if anybody's to blame. We just need to find out. I don't want this you know, to just be swept under the rug as another drug story. Some of those answers can be found here. It says Wagner identified himself as a drug user at booking, so he was put on withdrawal protocols and placed in the medical unit. The next morning, Wagner was found unresponsive. Cause of death, toxic effects of heroin. These people need help. They don't need jail. That's where this family ran into problems, though. They needed money for rehab, and they didn't have it. But everything was $10,000 to get them away for, you know, 15, 20 days. The Texas Association of Addiction Professionals is pushing the legislature to look at the price tag of rehab this year. The president-elect says Medicare, Medicaid, and state reimbursements all fall well short of getting people in the door for treatment. We're not bridging the gap from keeping them from dying to getting them to those recovery houses. Without being reimbursed, nonprofits can expand. Gerardo says many places are seeing wait lists as a result. And very often when we have individuals who, who are ready to seek help, we have a really short window of willingness. And when they get told, okay, you need to call back every day for the next two weeks and maybe we can get you in, that's that's a recipe for disaster. This family wants something to be done so other families don't experience the same pain they're going through right now. This was my son. And that's all I've got left. Grace Reader, KXAN News. Well, in a year where lawmakers are working with a $30 billion budget surplus, the Texas Association of Addiction Professionals president-elect is hoping addiction recovery is going to be a focus. The health crisis, drug overdoses in this country, and opioid misuse is big. And here in central Texas, it has the attention of the federal government. Lawmakers and local law leaders are talking about a potential solution. So next Tuesday... They're expected to reveal details of an education and prevention project in our area and the federal money that will help pay for it. State leaders agree a redesign of the Texas electrical grid is needed, but energy experts say that could come with a cost to customers. Maybe folks are willing to pay a little bit more for electricity if it is more reliable, but we just need to make sure that we're getting the reliability that we're paying for. Yesterday, the Public Utility Commission of Texas went over its redesign proposal. After the 2021 winter storm, lawmakers ordered the PUC to develop a plan to improve how electricity is bought and sold in Texas. The proposal involves utilities purchasing credits from power generators. But experts say the plan still doesn't address some key problems from the 2021 freeze. When I have a conversation about reliability of electricity in this state, we need to include the fuel side, but it is often missing in these discussions. The CEO Vercott says implementing this plan will take up to three and a half years. Is La Nina ending? Could we be heading into a rainier El Nino pattern? Our meteorologist Nick Bannon sat down with Noah about the new long-term forecast. Tom DiLiberto joins us, a climate scientist at NOAA's climate.gov. Everyone wants to know, Tom, about the latest ENSO update. But for those that don't, what is ENSO? 
So ENSO stands for the El Nino Southern Oscillation. It refers to this pattern that kind of shifts every two to seven years in the central and eastern equatorial Pacific Ocean, where the waters actually become either warmer than average or cooler than average. We call the warmer episodes El Nino and the cooler episodes La Nina. And the reason we care so much about it is because that little change in the Pacific Ocean can basically jumble up the atmospheric circulation all across the tropics, which then is like the first domino that falls that affects things like where the jet stream sets up across the mid-latitudes, where we all live here in the United States. And certainly that's been affecting us in a La Nina type of way the last three winters. What does the latest forecast say about when we can uh, finally say goodbye to La Nina? Yeah, so the latest forecast suggests that La Nina might be finally coming to an end. We're expecting um, us to return to more ENSO neutral conditions. So basically that means La Nina is over by the beginning of spring. So February through April or March through May, uh, which would be the first time. This is the clearest signal that we've seen, I would say, in the last three years, as you mentioned, that we could finally see the end of La Nina. Now, last month, we were seeing signs at the very end of the ENSO forecast that we may not only be going toward more of a neutral pattern, but even El Nino later now this year. Uh, what's the latest update say there? It's kind of amazing to even be hearing the phrase El Nino, considering where we've been the last several years. But yeah, you're right. So the end of the forecast, we're talking about the end of this upcoming summer into the beginning of fall. If you take a look at the probabilities that are issued in our forecast, the highest probability is actually for El Nino, with the second highest probability being in the end zone neutral conditions. I imagine it speaks that confidence is reasonably high that we wouldn't have a fourth consecutive La Nina winter though, right? That is correct. So by the end of this summer and into the beginning of fall, the percentages for La Nina chance are around, let's say, 10 to 15 percent, um, which isn't zero. which doesn't mean it can't happen. But compared to the chances of there being an intra neutral or El Nino sort of conditions at that period of time, La Nina would be much further behind. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.